Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series that we've called Take Your Stand. Um, this series is sort of a sub-series of the Ministry of Encouragement, and it's based on Ephesians 6, 12 through 18, that uh, encourages us to take a stand. And we, we've looked at the reasons why uh, it's important and that ultimately uh, have felt like God is calling us to take a stand, particularly about this ministry of encouragement. And so um, we have so far uh, looked and talked about uh, standing um, up to evil, standing alongside the broken, that was last week, and today we're going to talk about standing against fear. But we've had some verses for you to learn, and... um, We're going to go over them now. I didn't get them on the bulletins this week because I ran out of space. But so far, you should have learned or be working on Ephesians 6, 12 through 14. Now, I got this. I nailed it earlier, and then I missed it earlier, too. So I'm still working on it, but uh, that's okay. See, it's a grace thing. And and, uh, Ephesians 6, 12 through 14, if you know it, say it with me or read along. You can open one of the Bibles and get there real real quick, and because uh, it's not going to show up overhead. But this is Ephesians 6, 12 through 14. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evils, evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to take your stand. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. I got it pretty close. Uh, That that was close. I missed a word or two, but I'll, I'll get it smoothed out as we continue to move on. That's what you should know so far. And those are the verses that we've studied uh, so far in our series. Uh, Today, as we talk about standing against fear, we're going to look at two new verses, one of which is your memory verse for next week, Ephesians 6.15, which should be really easy. And then uh, we're also going to use 16, which we need to know two weeks from now. But it says this, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And that's what we're going to use as our verses for standing up or standing against fear. Now, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've got to tell you, I've, I've had a few people give me a little hard time because I haven't been giving you as many jokes as I once did. And the reason for that, it's been very serious. You know, this whole thing is very serious to me, so I've been, I've been really on it. But then I thought, well, you know, it's not really fair. If, and, so, and it's bad jokes that people want, not good jokes. And bad jokes are plentiful. Um, and so I, I thought maybe I would I would just kind of help some people along if you've been missing the bad jokes. So so here's here's one right here. So, um, what did Adam and Eve do when they got kicked out of the garden? They raised Cain. <laughs> it's really bad, isn't it? <laughs> do you feel better yet? <laughs> I should, I've got another one, but I should spread it. Now I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. This pastor is invited to a parishioner's house for dinner, and it happens to be a farmer. And uh, 
he serves him, he serves the pastor this big chicken dinner. It's really good. The pastor really enjoys it. It's a, it's a real nice meal. And after the meal, the pastor's looking out the, the back door there and he sees this rooster running around and this rooster is really kind of taken with himself. You can tell it. And the, and the, the pastor says to the farmer, that's a, that's a very proud rooster you have there. And the farmer says, he ought to be. His son just went into the ministry. Do you get it? See, I probably should have stopped with the first one. Because <laughs> I think I had you on the first one. The second one, not so much. Well, now I've learned my lesson for tomorrow. Tomorrow is just the first one. We'll leave the eating the chicken joke for another day. Okay. All right, now, we're all better. Last week, we talked about the uh, belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And I said last week that in talking about standing alongside the, the broken, that, that truth and righteousness intersect at a place I called integrity. And that uh, in, in walking in integrity, we needed to make sure we were always checking ourselves uh, against self-righteousness, Phariseeism, and always asking God to help us walk in true righteousness, demonstrated by love for God and love for others. And that was the, the sort of the big thrust of last week. Well, this week, as we look at our verses, the, there's, there's again two sort of um, primary things that, we, that pop out from those verses. And, and those are um, peace and faith. And, and I would submit to you today that, that peace and faith intersect at another point, and that's the, the first point in your bulletin, and I would call that place courage. That, that courage is the place where, where peace and faith intersect in our lives. And, and, and courage is an interesting thing. I found a couple of sort of uh, ideas about courage that I liked uh, as I studied. Um, one of them is this, is that courage permits us to face extreme dangers and difficulties. That's one of, idea, one of the ideas of what courage is all about. It permits us to face extreme dangers and difficulties. And another thing that courage does, it allows us to act in accordance with our beliefs despite criticism. Courage allows us to act in accordance with our beliefs despite criticism. And, and to me then, courage is this place of peace and faith that allows us to stand against fear. And that's what we're talking about today. Um, courage is, is to be a people of encouragement in a discouraged, fearful world, fixated, as we've talked, on bad news and more bad news. And, and the idea of the ministry of encouragement, to be encouraged, really means to be in courage. And so we're, we're ultimately talking about, in this ministry, helping people in a fearful world to find a place in their own lives, of peace and faith. A peace that comes from God and a faith in God. So that they can turn against the, the cultural flow of discouragement that we've been talking about. And, and so, uh, that's what, what we need to sort of understand as we walk in this ministry of encouragement. That, that there's this place that we're, we're hoping to help people get to of peace and faith. And in, in this process, it allows us then to stand against fear, which is widespread. Fear is everywhere. Fear is a, 
uh, a driving force in many people's lives. They're afraid of everything. And that's why they're so tuned in to bad news. It sort of like backs up the fear thing they're stuck in. And we've been talking about that for weeks, that that's what's happened. We're in this, this whole culture of discouragement and bad news, and it's, it has its underlying motive or motivation, fear. So how do we stand against fear? Does, does standing against fear mean that we're never afraid? And I don't think that's true either. Because there's something about fear that, that initially is very beneficial. Let's look at a quick story. In Acts chapter 14, um, I'm going to read you verses 8 through 20. Um, just 19 and 20 are actually in your notes. But I wanted to read the rest of it for you to set up the story. If you want to turn to your Bibles to Acts chapter 14, you can. I'll be reading out of the NIV. And, um, and this begins in verse 8 and runs through verse 20. And it's a story about uh, Barnabas, our friend who keeps popping back up because his name means son of encouragement, and Paul out in the midst of, in the middle of, their ministry and an event that takes place uh, to them. Acts 14, verses 8 through 20. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet, who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul, what the, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, "The gods have come down to us in human form." Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Saul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing this? We too are only men, human like you. We are bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made heaven and earth and sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provided you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Here come the verses in your, in your notes. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day... He and Barnabas left for Derby. Now, here's my point. I would imagine that during this chaos that was going on, that Barnabas and Paul would have experienced a measure of fear. They would have had to have. Especially when you got stoned, looks like to death. Um, that, that had to be a fearful thing. And just the, the, the chaos of the crowds and trying to convince these people that they weren't, you know, they weren't gods, that they were just men uh, trying to tell them the good news of who Jesus is. And the crowds react and then these, these Pharisees show up and they sway the crowd over. Talk about an easily swayed crowd. They want to sacrifice to him and the next thing you know they want to kill them. Um, that all happens and that's the process. And, and it seems to me that they would have to be afraid. What I'm fascinated by is that Paul... Uh, once the disciples gathered around him, and whether they prayed for him, bring him back, or whatever, uh, they prayed for him, he jumps up, and he heads back into that town. Now, that's a pretty courageous act after a pretty fearful thing 
And so, so there's a place where we experience fear, but, but there's a difference between how we operate in life in that process. And, and I want to introduce this verse. We've looked at it again almost 10, 11, 12 weeks ago now. And it's a verse from 2 Timothy 1.7. And it's a powerful verse. This is in the King James translation. It says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, to me, this verse speaks about our response to fear. Now, fear initially is a warning sign uh, that something isn't right. And fear triggers um, um, fight-or-flight response, which is characterized by increased heart rate, breathing, and muscle tension, which allows us to escape from danger or defend ourselves against a predator. In this sense, the ability to respond to fear is a God-given mechanism that helps us to survive, something that God puts in us. This is a fearful situation, and you begin to react to it, and your heart beats, and you release some adrenaline, and you're ready to take action. And that's the godly sort of mechanism in place. Now, the verse, though, doesn't say any... It's not talking just about fear. It's talking about a spirit of fear. And here's what I believe happens, is that we live in a fallen, broken world, and there are some fearful things. And, and so there's, there's a response that comes from that in a, in a, in a, in a way that needs to happen in, in order to keep going on with what we're supposed to doing in, in response to the calling of God in our lives. However, there's a spirit of fear that's a trick of the evil one who takes a situation and expands it into consuming you to the place where you're no longer operating out of a motivation based on love but you're completely operating out of a motivation based in fear. And, it's, and your response is no longer courageous. It becomes fearful and selfish. And so it's a twist on what's supposed to help keep us moving and living in the right direction. And it begins to destroy the very elements of what life is all about. Because it takes us in a very selfish direction. And we've talked about that throughout this thing, that, that that's what discouragement does. It makes us act in selfish ways to, um, uh, to, to sort of isolate and be consumed about our own lives, not seeing the bigger picture. And, and what God gives us in response to that is power, love, and a sound mind. And, and what that means is then that, that when a fearful situation arises, and they do, that we can process that fear with a sound mind to make sure that we're responding out of a, a love-based motivation and not out of a motivation based in fear, and that we ultimately know the power of God will help us to then do what we need to do to live courageously, to live at a place of, of peace and faith. And, and that's what it means to me to be encouraged, ultimately, is to be at that place of peace and faith that allows us to live the life that God has called us to, a life that's bigger than our selfish kind of things that we fall into and that has bigger impact and, and ultimately fulfills the purposes that God has called us to. And so I want to talk about peace and faith for the last little bit of this sermon. Peace and faith. Um, because it's peace and faith that will allow us to stand up against that spirit of fear, which is what we're ultimately 
standing up against. That fear that tries to consume us. That fear that tries to make us think nothing's ever going to work out. That fear that makes us start acting silly. Um, the fear that, that has this, this potential to, to draw us to 24-7 news and never turn it off because we, we have to hear the next bad thing. And that, that the good things, as we've talked about, don't, don't make it onto the news. Because, and, and we don't even expect them to. We don't want to hear good news. We just want bad news. And we want more bad news and we'll stay tuned for more bad news. And it drives this thing. And yet, to live the life that God's called us to, we have to move into this place of courage. That's, that's where, where peace and faith intersect so that we can go and do the things we're supposed to do. Ultimately, with Paul, you know, I kind of chuckle that, that I don't think I'd have gone back into that town after they stoned me. <laughs> I would have probably considered, no, I don't think they want us here. Let's move along. But apparently, after they got there and prayed, and they, and they weren't going to be motivated. I'm sure they go back. I don't know what they did there, but it was good. And after they leave and go to Derby, on the way, if you continue to read, they go back again. He goes back there again because they had an impact. And they're going to go see what's happening. He's not going to be motivated by fear. He's just not. He loves people. He's going to go where the Lord leads him. And see, that's the big difference in, in this whole process that we need to look at. So let's talk a little about peace and we'll talk a little about faith. And we'll go from there. Now, peace... Um, I often think about peace this way because, because I think sometimes people, you, they hear peace and they, they think that it means an absence of conflict. And I don't think that's what it means at all. I, ultimately, I think that peace means the presence of God. And so, because if you're waiting for a time in life where there's no conflict, you know what? You're not going to have much peace. Because it's a fallen, broken world and there's always conflict. We, we, it's just part of the deal. And so that can't be the definition of peace. So to me, peace that passes understanding is, is the presence of God in our lives regardless of the conflict and the situations that are happening. And, and that, that sort of the anti-peace that impacts all of us at some level is a little thing known as worry. And, and it's when we're worried, we can't, we don't experience peace. And, and so let's look at these verses and we'll talk about that. And we've talked about worry here a lot here, but we need to continue to talk about it because it's one of those things that just doesn't immediately go away. I wish it did. I wish I could just stay up here and say, don't worry. And you go, okay. <laughs> Done with that. Never going to do that again. But it doesn't work that way. So let's take a look. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Pardon me. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to this life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. 
But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yes, it does. Now, here's the deal. Worry, as I said, is the anti-peace. And as long as we're worrying about life, we'll never be able to rest in the peace of God. So what are we supposed to do? And, and we've talked about this, and I put this out there, but I'm, I'm trying to make things as simple as I can. There's a simple statement that you need to know in this process of standing against fear. And the, the first, I've got two for you today. The first is on the bottom of your notes there on the left-hand side. Instead of worrying, what goes in that blank? Pray. What a novel idea. We've had this discussion lots of times. And yet, so pervasive is discouragement in our culture that we have to be constantly reminded. We have to take a constant stand against worry because it creeps back in all the time. And it's the bombardment of bad news that does it. You can't get away from it. Even if you turn off the news, which, which I suggest you do and read headlines when you can, which is what I do, so that I know what's happening in the world, but I don't get all the negative spin that makes me crazy. Um, uh, you're going to hit it anyway because people around you are going to be fearful and talking about it. And it'll try and get on you. That's the only way I can explain it. That thing tries to get on me. That spirit of fear tries to work its way on me all the time. And I can feel it deep in the pit of my stomach. I'll be just fine. Some weird thing will, will come into my world and all of a sudden I feel that thing trying to get a hold of me. And it causes me to react differently than I would if I was in a place of peace. And all that's happened is that something has said something to me and I can feel that the enemy's scheme is to get me way off track. And to get me motivated by this fear instead of being motivated by his love. And I lose the peace that comes from being in that place with God. And what we need to do is instead of worrying, which is to take and fan the flames of that spirit of fear, which is what we tend to do. What does this mean for me? Oh my goodness, all this is, now I gotta do all this and all this is gonna happen and here's the worst case scenario and we run through this. Anybody do that? None of you do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> instead of that, stop. God, you're God. You're still in control. Nothing has changed except that I've taken in this piece of information that's now making me insane and trying to mess up my world. But you're the same God you were ten seconds before I heard it. And you're still God. And nothing is catching you by surprise. Just me. But you're still God. And so we begin to pray. Now, if, if you would just take because I know you're not going to, you know, it would be great if you stop worrying, if we all just stop worrying. But here's the deal. If we would just change the dynamics, and I've said this, of how much time we spend worrying, if you just change it by half. So whatever time you're devoting now to worry, I want you to devote half of that time to prayer. Because you've got plenty of time to worry. You've got, you've got time to pray. And just get these things over to God. It will change the way you feel about life. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That thing hits you, you've got choices. You can either go wild with your worry, or you can just say, wait, wait, wait. God is still God. And you just begin to give it all to him. God, I, I don't want to get out there on my own in this. I'm going to trust you. And, and Lord, I want to know that peace again that passes understanding. And that's the way that we end up back in that place. And, and we help people get back in that place the same way. When they come at us with all these fears, you need to gently and lovingly guide them back to this place. It says, listen, you're worrying about it isn't changing and will not change it. That's the thing about worry. It doesn't work. If it did, I would understand the time we invest in it. But it does not work. Nothing has been changed by your worry ever. I have this funny statistic that I hate to use because it really freaks out the worriers. 92% of what you worry about never happens. The real worriers go, 8%? (laughs) They were hoping it was less. It doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Don't waste the time. Instead, pray. So remember that. Instead of worrying, pray. All right, now let's talk about faith. And faith is a huge subject, and obviously I couldn't cover it in one little point, but I want to talk and give you a statement that I think will help as we tie in this part of taking our stand against fear. Now, in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, uh, it, it says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you don't end up subject to this spirit of fear. Now, those verses start with a therefore. Scripturally, whenever you see a therefore, you know what's happening? It's referring you to what you just read previously. And what was just read previously was Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the faith chapter. And it's an evidence of the faith of the people of God in the midst of their lives and the stands that they took against fear. And so, as the writer of Hebrews starts 12, he says, so, so listen, with that in mind, with, these, with faith in mind, with, with the stand that these people have made against, against sin, what you need to know is that, that you need to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles uh, in your life and get your eyes focused on Jesus so that you don't grow weary and lose heart, which is how you fall into the spirit of fear. You just lose heart. It, 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 it bombards you. You get your eyes off Jesus, and you, you go into this place where you just worry. And, and the, the little statement I have for that, that I think will really help in, in conjunction with the first one. You know, our, our first one was, instead of worry and pray, right? Our second one is this, always keep God in the equation. Now, we've talked about that, but we forget it. And, and, and we have to, in our lives... When, when things happen to us, where the spirit of fear tries to settle in on us, if you can remember those two things, see, it's part of the armor of God, right? Peace and faith. It's just like truth and righteousness. Peace and faith. This is the, the way that God dresses us so that we can stand. And when we feel this spirit of fear trying to take hold, we have peace and faith. 
and we can remind ourselves of them quickly by going, okay, I'm starting to feel that weird thing going on. What do I need to do? Well, instead of worrying, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to make sure as I do that I keep God in the equation. Because that's where my faith comes in. See, God's in the equation. And as long as you remember that, you don't need to be worried. You just need to pray. God, you're still God. I don't know what you're going to do, but you can do something. You, you can take care of this. You can produce an oil-eating microbe in this situation too, just like you've done before. Or you'll use it without whatever it is you're going to do. I don't know. I just know I can't figure it out. But, but God, it's yours anyway. And what happens is that, that, that spirit of fear thing begins to subside. And you're back into that place of power, love, and a sound mind. You fall back into that place of peace and faith. And, and that's how we take a stand against fear. And so I want to encourage you to remember Luke one thirty seven. nothing is impossible with God. That's what you remember in, in accordance with that little statement, always keep God in the Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. That, that, that word, nothing. You know what that word means, nothing? Look it up in the dictionary and it means nothing. Very good. No thing, nothing, is impossible with God. And so, here's, here's what we do. We end this. When it comes to standing against fear, particularly the spirit of fear, we need to be people of courage, or encouraged people, who walk in God's peace, holding on to the shield of faith. And to simplify that process, just remember this. These two statements combined into one. Instead of worrying, pray, and always keep God in the equation. That'll get you your shoes shod with peace and the shield of faith in hand that extinguishes all the fiery darts of the evil ones. Amen? Amen. All right. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. If you need prayer or anything, let us know. Contact us. We'll pray for you. If you're up in Williston, God bless you guys. They'll pray for you there. But let's go ahead tonight and pray as a group before we dismiss. Father, thank you for your goodness to us.